Investigative reporting on both a national and global level has played a major role in Southern Africa in exposing big corruption scandals from the Luanda leaks to Guptagate in Angola and South Africa respectively and including Namibia's own big fish rot affair. In what was FreeSpeak's first ever vodcast recording, we spoke to our two guests just as the scandal was beginning to erupt in 2019. Today, we take you back to the start of this still unraveling scandal involving fishing quota fraud and which, among others, saw heads roll at top government level, but also to recall the role played by investigative journalism in this expose. My guests were Helgi Selyan, an investigative reporter for Iceland's public broadcaster, who uncovered corruption at that country's fishing giant, Samerji, and Shinaveni Emanuel, head of the investigative desk at the Namibian newspaper, which set the ball rolling with early news reports as, as soon as 2014, which helped reveal improprieties in Namibia's fishing industry. FreeSpeak is a podcast of the Namibia Media Trust in which we discuss all things media, and this is our last edition for 2021. I'm your host, Gwen Lister. Let me start out by just sketching a little bit of a background and uh, pose this question to Shino, if I may. Shino started writing stories about this issue or this issue which led to the bigger story in 2014 already. Your reports at the time were often generally dismissed as just being anti-government. Um, but now it has planted seeds, and this has turned from a very local news story and corruption here on a smaller scale to this huge global expose. Shino, tell us a bit how that started. Yeah, I think uh, for us, especially the Namibian, it was mostly we started getting tits and bits of, of this story around 2015. 13, 2014, but concretely around 2014. Um, and that's when, for instance, the former minister appointed James Atwinkulipi on the Fishco board. We wrote that. We basically said SOE is appointing a person close to a relative um, to the Fishco board. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that article, James Atwinkulipi, who we said, we questioned why he was being appointed even threatened to sue us. So we, but we held our ground. In fact, what we did is turning his legal threat into a story saying that we will be threatened to sue because we believed at the point that that was a major red flag. Um, and then few weeks later, the, we did several reports on the issue of SAO being accused of giving quotas to Fishco. Remember, if you follow the trend is that um, SAO appoints his son-in-law's cousin, right. who is James, on this board, and then all of a sudden starts giving quotas to this board, to this fishing entity. And then we started questioning. We did several reports, and obviously at the time they felt it was an attack to Esau, who apparently was already giving, you know, promoting Namibianization of the fishing sector. But we, at the point, we had concrete evidence that uh, something was not right. It's not right. Thanks for that, Chino. And then to come to you, Helgi, from there, it suddenly became this major global news story and your huge documentary and the whistleblower in Iceland coming up and spilling all the beans. 
implicating everybody. Can you tell us, taking it from where Shino left off, how did this reach you and how did it become the major story it became? Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, well, about a year ago, uh, a friend of mine who's uh, actually the current editor of, of uh, WikiLeaks contacted me and, and told me that actually uh, he had some documents that he had gotten and, and possibly uh, a whistleblower who would like to meet us and we met him and, and that was this man, Johannes Stefansson. And, right. and from after that first meeting, we, we realized that this sounded like a, like a huge story. We, we had spoken about the issue before because the, Icelands, uh, the Icelandic interests in, in Africa in the fishing industry has, has come up in small news stories over the years, especially regarding the, uh, the fishing around Mauritania and, mm-hmm. and Morocco, where they have been accused of overfishing and, and fishing from the Mauritius people, no, not the Mauritanian people with, uh, with quota from Morocco. And, but, but it's the fishing industry as a whole and, and generally and globally is a really, really closed up business. There's absolutely no transparency. There's more transparency in, in, in a lot of, you know, a lot of businesses that you would think would be less trans- transparent than the fishing industry. And that, yes. that of course, is because you, you have companies uh, that are uh, located in, in tax havens and then the ships are in, in another tax haven and so on. And because it moves around, it's, it's really, really hard to, to figure out how it is. So, so that made this story even more genuine is, oh. is, is the fact that we have uh, all of these documents uh, who paint this picture pretty clearly, and also the whistleblower, which is, which is unique. The other thing is, while I'm chatting to you, uh, Helgi, is someone said, and I forget who it was, the myth of Iceland's innocence is dead. Would you like to speak to that and tell us more particularly what has been the fallout of this in Iceland itself? The implications of what is happening in an African country and taking these fishing quotas and bribing and corrupting. What's yeah. been the fallout? Well, the fallout has obviously been that uh, had a huge impact on, on, uh, on the company involved, which is uh, the largest seafood company and fisheries company in Iceland. They are, have also been in the recent years, and, and that is, of course, something that has raised questions in the recent days, is for the last 10 years or so, they have also been investing a lot, and in, in they bought an bought some companies, huge chain of grocery stores, they mm-hmm. bought a shipping company, and, and they have been getting a lot bigger in the, in the recent years, which of course raises questions on, on where the money came from that they, mm-hmm. that they used for that. But yeah, the fallout has of course been that uh, their CEO has stepped down. I think that we haven't begun to see the, uh, the effect that it's, that it's going to have on it's the company. But uh, regarding politics, it, it, uh, because the, just yesterday the government proposed a 16-point plan in, in just to try and, and, and recover from this scandal by putting on uh, all kinds of changes in legislation. Mm-hmm. And, and, and To avoid these kinds of yeah, situations. Yeah, and, and to, to the, especially the fisheries industry, more transparent also. Uh, a lot of the things that they are talking about there has been talked about in Iceland for, for many years. So, right. so although some, we, some good indirectly will come out of 
this really horrible scandal. Yeah, I, I, I believe so. And, and, and the fact about the, the, the quote about the Icelandic innocence, I believe that uh, even now, Icelanders, after the banking crisis and the Panama Papers yeah. and, and all of that, uh, people aren't walking around with, with thoughts in their head like of, of genuine innocence by the Icelanders anymore. But, right. but what they thought was kind of uh, still our deal was that we came here to Namibia in, in, in 1990 to help with uh, the aid program. Correct. And we spent, I think, $10 million here or something. But uh, it was all done to Namibianize the, the fishing industry. And, and generally, that work was said to have been almost like a miracle. Right. It, it went really good. And I think we did a lot of good here. But as soon as those guys went, this company came and... Although they, although the briberies they are allegedly paid were amounted to the same amount, Correct. they, I believe, uh, gained probably tenfold. Uh, what they had. Yeah. Put what in. they had put yes. in, and and of course something that we cannot forget is that, you know, this. Uh, uh, I think this setting aside the bribery and the tax evasion and stuff. I think this this is just a classic case of state looting in the sense that you have a, a, a fishing quota, a national resource, mm. which is taken by a foreign company. Correct. Uh, and instead of at least paying for the quota, they, they right. don't pay. They pay as little as half to the state, uh, and the rest goes into the pocket of these so-called sharks. So I think that's something that, that when you add it up, I think that's one of the biggest because the facts that it has on a country yes. like Namibia is, if the documents are, are, are true, which I believe they are, the money that has been taken out of the, taken from the state and, and at the end, the Namibian people is, is, is incredibly high. The number is incredibly high. Absolutely. And of course, this is a resource that was meant post-independence to benefit the people, more particularly the have-nots of this country. Yeah, yeah. Shino, can I turn to you? And obviously the fallout in Iceland, we've heard a little about, and there's been significant fallout here um, with a number of heads rolling, including two ministers. And it's, it seems likely this is going to continue. Um, and of course, you write at the forefront of that. Give us a little idea of what you think the impact of the story, or what it has in Namibia. Is it going to, ultimately, is it going to change anything also? Uh, like I was, I was talking to Tangeni, our editor, the other time, that I think this is probably one of the biggest stories we have worked yes, on. Um, I think even the way we have presented it to the readers, mm -hmm. we were like so confident because in the past we were always at the back end of accusation of going after certain people. Absolutely. But in this case, I think this gave us more of the evidence, the hardcore evidence of where you have... Shangala boasting about, look, let's do this before everyone wakes up and this is the only chance. Yeah. If the minister comes in or if the, this minister is removed, it won't be changed. Yeah. You know, that kind yeah. of hardcore evidence. Protect the minister. Yes, yes. Yes. We need to documentary protect the evidence that yes. underpinned. Yeah. Exactly. And that, I think, on top of, of the stuff they did, yes. where the minister was busted for asking you know, money and then he was... Um, you know, approached and asked, for, you know, where, why, what, why is he denying it? I think all of that contributed to a much more uh, uh, public that is aware of who this 
is not only visible in documents, it's visible even on the videos. Absolutely. So I think, but uh, in terms of, at the moment, okay, of course, two ministers resigned. Mm -hmm. um, our, our role mostly is just to give the public the information. We wouldn't want to be the one having to say, okay, so-and-so should move away from exactly. office. I think yes. that should be up to the public to demand if they feel so. Exactly. Our job mostly is to say, look, this is wrong, and uh, yeah. or we probably feel this is wrong and the government is cheated. But at the end of the day, the public should be the one saying heads should roll. Yeah. Well, in some cases, we, we, will, we will probably go in instances where some people won't be touched. I think that is likely to happen. Uh, because it's a system. Mm -hmm. um, I think what even other people who have covered previous stories, this is a system of, we are talking about, we probably shook one of the biggest system in Namibia and exactly. abroad in terms of their clique of how they do things. And they are likely to recycle themselves in the next few, four years. What they're going yes. to do is go back, yes. plan, and then get back into the system. Exactly. And uh, unless maybe if as things, um, extraordinary things happen where where the, the new ad, the administration or the people on top of the chain of the politics, where they will say, no, we cannot allow A, B, C, and D into the system. Exactly. These are shamed individuals who, have, who are known publicly to be a disgrace, and uh, they will be, give, give a bad example to the people. So, exactly. yeah. Also, it speaks to the power of collaborative journalism and cross-border makes it easier or, or less likely that government can deny and block local media yeah. because it's yeah. gone so big. Mm -hmm. I think that's... Yeah. Um, maybe I can quickly ask you, Helgi, because it, it's, it's a thing, an aspect of this reporting that people have noted. And that was when you guys collared uh, our former Ministry of Fisheries now, uh, Bernard Esau, and ironically speaking, a transparency, or he was due to speak on transparency yeah. at a conference in Oslo. Mm -hmm. And that's where you managed to collar him and get him on the record. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the, uh, the thing is, we had been trying to get an interview with him for, for uh, some time. Some time. We, we, uh, we had offered him to meet him in Berlin, where he was traveling. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, at the last minute, he told us no. And, and then we offered to come here and, and to Namibia and, and do the interview. And, uh, and then we got some message that he wouldn't be up for an interview, but we could talk to some, some lower level, level guys in the, mm -hmm. uh, in the ministry. So uh, having you know, gotten that answer and, and the second no from him, we, we decided to, to go to the, along with Al Jazeera, we went to Norway. And, and yeah, we met him at this, this conference where we basically confronted him with the videos of, uh, of him uh, talking to these so-called Chinese investors who were, who were oh. journalists posing as, as investors, and, oh. and, and they asked him about him there. Yeah, it was a strange thing to, <laughs> to do, but, uh, but yeah, but I think it, uh, in a sense, although it was kind of strange, it, it showed that, uh, you know, a lot of his answers were, of course, pretty... I don't know the right word for it, but they were special, <laughs> to say the least. So, mm. so it, it it definitely showed, you know, a lot of the things that we have been watching for the last couple of months. Is we see how how in the documents how how this company Samhiri and people around there talk about what the minister has been doing for the last couple of uh -huh. six or seven years, uh -huh. changing the law, doing this and that, and and Samhiri always saying that. 
we are involved in changing the law. The law changing that, that's now been worked on by Saki and the minister uh -huh. is done uh, most of all for Samheri and stuff. Correct. And in the meanwhile, the same minister has been doing speech after speech after speech about uh, the need for Namibianization, uh, exactly. the, the need for uh, exactly. creating jobs and, and such. So, you know, that of course was not in sync to say the least what we now know that he was doing. And what they say and what they do is so dramatically different. Yeah. In the meantime, the country is being, or certainly its resources are being sold out from under us. Back to you, uh, Shino, on the local front. I don't want you to show your hand because I'm sure we're going to be able to anticipate a lot more coming out of this. And obviously, much of what is going to happen depends on how the authorities are going to be dealing with uh, this issue going forward, um, you know, we've heard of some things or you've reported the freezing of certain bank accounts and uh, resignations, of course. What do you think? Where, where is this going to go from here? And maybe just a second part of the question, because we'll be running out of time. A lot of naysayers have said that this um, revelation coming at the time it does, just before Namibia national and presidential elections on the 27th of this month, is, is kind of timed deliberately. Do you want to maybe, if you can, to speak briefly to those two questions? Yeah. From what we have seen, I think this is probably one of those leaks that we have worked on several leaks, like uh -huh. the Panama Papers, uh -huh. Parada Papers, where you probably feel, okay, we have reached just the end of the road on this exactly. kind of story. But this one, we, we feel we could probably even go up to much next year of just stories. But it will take time. It will yes. also take a lot of uh, collaborations and just mm -hmm. being patient and not, mm -hmm. you know, writing so many stories that will tire readers. Otherwise, they will be like, "Ooh, <laughs> not again." Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, but yeah. So, yeah. but we will be looking at these stories. Oh, and I think as they are going, because we suspect is that um, the system was so rigged that yeah. it has been tailored for certain people. Yes. Um, and that includes, I mean, even that in their documentary, they spoke of a system that the Icelandic government sponsored to make sure the quota allocation was, was transparent. Right. Mm -hmm. One thing that the current minister did when he came into power is to get rid of it. So those right. kind of stories, there should be a lot of things that they changed in the system that we'll have to look at so that we raise the flag so that next time you know, we do have to look, we don't have to go through the same thing again. And because even now, the newspaper has been calling for the just the cancellation of these so-called fishing quotas. I mean, I don't understand why a fishing quota should go to Fishco, which eventually goes to Icelandic and a few exactly. five people, exactly. whereas so they can give this quota to, they can just maybe give it to directly to schools or to the catering company that is fund, that is giving food to schools and say, guys, this is the quota for this year. No learner should go starving yes. at all, which yes. then this fish will be distributed to all the schools. So that's, that's what we probably want to advocate to say. Yeah. This uh, spoon feeding of government yeah. or state-owned resources to few companies that are always a uh, click around the minister, yeah. it's not Namibianization. It's exactly. privatization of few people. So exactly. that's one of it. And to the issue of the timing, you know, I've always, we just believe that the story is a story. Um, if a story comes out now that, uh, you know, the president is doing this and it's his birthday tomorrow. The timing is we, It has nothing to do with it. It's exactly. mostly what is the issue? Yep. Because if we find out even on Monday that 
10 people are dying of hunger in a certain region, we're not going to pull back and say we can't report on that because people will see it as election. Exactly. Because if anything, we should be able to provide public with a full picture to say these are, when you make your decision, That's right. you know this. At least you make this decision knowing this. Yeah, exactly. So I think we don't want to f make it seem as if and people are, they don't understand exactly. that the issue of timing. Some of them will appreciate it, some of them will say, no, this is, but it's up to them. Exactly. I think at the end of the day, we should give them the choice. Yeah. yeah. And as we in journalism always say, we always like to think what is actually at the heart of any story. Mm -hmm. And obviously at the heart of this story is human greed. Yeah. Uh, whether it's on Namibian soil, whether it's further afield, it is the greed that is denying, mm -hmm. essentially, a, a country of just less than three million people yeah. to feed, house, educate, mm -hmm. and give health care to, to a majority of those people. And it's stories like this that hopefully one day will make the difference and that our resources, as you say, Shino, will be more appropriately yeah. used to the benefit of the people themselves. Mm -hmm. Finally, to wrap up, a last comment from either or both of you on any of this. We hear of much-anticipated Al Jazeera documentary coming on the 1st of December, so obviously the story isn't going to go away, and I think public interest isn't going to go away. So we look forward to the next chapter. Helgi, last words from you before we yeah, close? Uh, as you said, there, there, there's a lot more to come because there's uh, definitely, as I understand it, there's a lot brewing in the uh, investigation, both here in Namibia and, and, and also in, in at least three other countries. So. I think that, uh, although we can't say right now, but I think that probably in the next couple of weeks we're gonna uh, we're gonna see something coming out uh, out of these investigations. You can speculate on whether the investigation should have been done more quicker and 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 why it didn't go like that. Was it because yeah. of the Minister of Justice yeah. was who he was and 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 I think it definitely played a role. Yeah. But uh, you know. Uh, from what we've heard now, all of the relevant authorities, at least here and 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 in the other countries, are are at least up to speed now. Absolutely, and obviously here at home, we hope, if nothing else, the authorities will do the right thing for yeah. once and for all. You know, any last remarks from you on that score? Yeah, I think if anything, what this investigation, if anything, just cements the need for whistleblowers. Yeah. Uh, we shouldn't be relying on people, not really, but those who go abroad and really risk their lives for a country that they are not from. Yeah. Not saying that it's wrong, but yeah. I think if anything it provides us, we say we should be able to trust the media with information. Yeah. And if you want to be protected, most of the time we do protect sources. Yeah. So if you are at a high office facilitating all these documents for certain ministers to benefit and the 80% of the country is suffering, they don't have any access to health, right. any access to water, and these decisions are being made by set, to benefit certain two to ten people who are building mansions and you are just there getting maybe a salary which is, but generally people should tap into their conscience and say, I'm tapping this document, an agreement that will disadvantage the, Namib the Namibian government, the Namibian yeah. people. Yeah. How about if I leak it to mm -hmm. the Namibian? Of course, we know there was a uh, not such a big clique of people, yeah. uh, politicians and, and the companies mm -hmm. that were involved, but yeah. there, there was a lot of people who got wind of at least Absolutely. bits and, and bits of, exactly. yeah, of something that, that was mm -hmm. so definitely wrong that 
it should have raised alarms. Yeah. Exactly. And maybe on that note, it's a good note to end just to say, you know, you guys are in speaking truth to power and revealing these kinds of massive yeah. corruption and other stories. Um, you know, I didn't ask you the question, but at some point, you know, your lives could also be endangered. You're playing here with the rich and the powerful and the corrupt whose tentacles reach deep across the oceans and across the continent. And um, I think kudos has to be paid to the journalists who are doing this kind of work. And the public needs to be called upon to really continue to support good journalism, whether it means buying a newspaper or a subscription to a broadcaster, whatever it is. It needs to be supported because at the end of the day, this is what is uh, keeping our democracy on, on its toes, whether it's here in Iceland or elsewhere in the world. So I thank you both, Helgi uh, from Iceland and Shino from Namibia. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you back on this Free Speak podcast in 2022.